Welcome to Calliope Sanctum, a bi-weekly story podcast hosted by me, writer Sylvia V. Linstead. This podcast is dedicated to Calliope, primordial and first muse of epic poetry and ecstatic song in ancient Greece. This podcast is a place of sanctuary for her oldest stories. It is a return to the wild garden, to the spring, to the ground of being and the source of inspiration in the earth. Here, we honor Calliope as muse of earth. Here, you will find some of the stories beneath the stories of old Europe, short fictional and poetic pieces written and read by me that explore elements of indigenous old European mythology, which is a term coined by the late archaeologist Maria Gambutas, with a focus on pre-Hellenic, pre-patriarchal Greece. So come sit with us in the honeyed light, among the ripe pomegranates in Calliope's sanctuary where the stories that arise directly from the ground of being and life force can still be safely told and celebrated. Come, lean against the sun-warmed stones with the fragrance of propolis and myrrh in the air and the trees heavy with autumn quince. This is the garden before the fall, a sanctuary for all hearts in this time. Join us and be revived. Podcast art is by Catherine Seek. Music is by Yanis Linardakis. And podcast sound editing is by Simon Linstead. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Calliope's Sanctum. So this week, um, it came to me to read for you a short piece of mine called Ashes and the King Who Came Home. And I wrote this piece this past summer. I was just trying to remember exactly when. Maybe in August or September of 2019. And it's a reflection. It's it's sort of prose it's sort of poetry it's it's not really either it's kind of a prose poem incantation lament all at once threading together pieces of the handless maiden fairy tale you'll see that story coming up which um i know of primarily from clarissa pinkolesti's her book the women who run with the wolves she explores an eastern european telling of that story and the pieces from that that you'll maybe recognize if you know that story are the king and the messenger and the queen and the devil switching the messages on the battlefield. Um, And you'll understand more what I mean when you listen to this piece. But I just wanted to point out that that's where those threads are coming from. That story threaded through, kind of throughout the king in that story who, um, you know, goes away to war and through various trickeries of the devil, right? And we might stop and look at what is the devil in our own psyches and in our culture. Um, Abandons the queen and their child. And then in the fairy tale, it's sort of the process of wandering and her initiation alone in the forest and how they come back together. So underneath that, I am also looking at kind of the the deep, deep wound of patriarchy upon the masculine. 
that's really the large, largest lament in this piece. Um, a lament for, you know, an underworld that we've been tricked with, the idea of hell, an underworld without regeneration, and also the seduction of endless youth and freedom and what that really means. These are just some of the themes woven through kind of with my own personal um, heartaches and experience writing on through it too. So all of that's woven together to create this piece, which is pretty emotional um, for me to read generally and to share, um, but it feels like a time of of grieving, obviously, on so many levels, and also really shining a light into the wound, as Clarissa Pincolestes would say. Um, I wanted to just add here that yesterday I was washing the dishes and thought, okay, I want to listen to something from her. Her voice is really soothing for me at this time, and I just opened my computer and was going through the different audiobooks that I have, and you know what's interesting when you just open one and click on a, a file title and just listen. And I opened volume two, Theater of the Imagination, volume two, saw one that said The Wound, and I was like, okay, I need to listen to that. I don't even know why, listening to that. It was really, really potent for this very moment. So I just want to recommend um, that particular volume, Theater of the Imagination, Clarissa Pincolesti's I guess it's volume one. And it's in the section about the lost mother moon story. And I'm going to put a link in the show notes to this. That whole series of talks of hers is so incredible and really worth listening to right now. But she's really just speaking to the cultural wounds that we're carrying as well as the personal wounds and the importance of bringing light into them. And also, you know, that when we open a wound to clean it, in order to fully heal it, right? Like we have to clean out an old wound to fully heal it if it's festering. And that can be a really intense experience, almost as painful or more as the original wounding. And I feel like we're, we're all feeling that in different ways right now. You know, whether we have the privilege to be safe at home with our wounds or we are out in the midst of, you know, the big wound and of, you know, on, in, on the front lines in a more literal kind of way. But I was really struck by her speaking to this, that um, the wound, when it's open to be cleaned, it hurts almost as badly, maybe worse than the original wounding. And I have really found this to be true. And it is so hard to stay with it, right? But there was something about her description of the cleaning of the wound, the light coming into the wound and the medicine being put in the wound and then the suturing of the wound. And what we're left with then is not new skin, like, I mean, like it was before, but a scar. That is the the story of our experience of healing. So, you know, I don't exactly know what the medicine is that needs to go in the wound, right? How could I possibly know? Um but I am soothed by the idea that there is a medicine for every wound. I can think of a lot of things that could be, but I think each of us instinctively know what that medicine is or we can listen for it. Story certainly is a big one for me, but it's a matter of finding the right story for the right moment, right? 
So this story isn't exactly a medicine story. I don't think it's more a story of bringing light to the wound and maybe praying for the medicine to come in. Yeah, I think that's all I have to say about it. Um, I do hope you enjoy. And uh, as I said, I will put the Clarissa link in the show notes. And also I will say that um, this piece was originally shared on my Patreon. Um, So if you like it and are interested in reading some more pieces, kind of short mythic prose-esque, poetry-esque pieces that explore the underpinnings of some of... um, the myths of particularly the old European and pre-Hellenic world, then my Patreon is kind of an archive at this point. (laughs) And if you sign up at the $5 a month level, actually you will have access to a great library of poetry and um, mythic prose, which is a pretty good deal. That's just kind of how it works. It's all there. Anyways, um, enjoy and be well. Sending peaceful thoughts and love to all of you. Thank you for listening. There is a shore the color of ashes. We sit here, lovers of 5,000 years waiting for them. The taste of ash is still in our mouths. Sometimes it burns our eyes. All of us who live here, who wait here, carry a similar story. It has made a fracture in us that widens as we wait. It cleaves us to each other. Somewhere, suddenly, Long ago, we lost someone we loved to a terrible gray mist. Not the kind that bears healthful mysteries or that comes in off the sea at dusk, but the kind that takes away the will to live, that confuses the senses, that beckons from the place of doubt and self-hate, that is filled with fumes the lungs cannot long survive, methane, and sulfur and carbon monoxide from places where there is no renewal deeper than the underworld. Earth never told us to go there for renewal, never told us to bury our dead so deep, to seek rebirth in such chemical heat, but we ended up going there anyway, for tin, for iron, for oil, for glory. There, the gods of devils and warlords seduce us with the promise of eternity. Those gods are intentionally vague about what kind. This promise of eternity, actually, it is a horror to remain young forever. A tin man, a bronze man, an iron man, no heart, no blood left. Gravity cannot touch such a man, moon cannot pull him, earth cannot change him. His beloved cannot love him. He is as one already dead. And he never wanted this. He only wanted to escape the dead place in him and did not know how. He turned away. He said, I do not know how to love myself. He said, most often I hate myself. He said, I need to be free. He said, the commander asks us to fight for freedom. Freedom or death, he said. 
His eyes shone terribly. We asked, when does fighting for freedom become a pathology, a running from love? But he did not reply. There was once a messenger who ran back and forth across a war zone to bring word to the king. Your queen has given birth to a child. But the messenger kept falling under a spell by the riverside. A strange gray sleep overtook him. The devil came out of the ashes. He switched the messages. Your queen has given birth to a monster. Back and forth, back and forth went the messenger and the devil, falling into the gray place, mouth full of ash. I love my queen. I love my child. Do not, I do not care if he is a monster. Tell her I am coming. The king wrote back, but the devil got in again. The messenger fell asleep again. The earth was ravaged by war. Ash was everywhere. Kill my queen and my child and cut out her tongue as proof. He did not know what he did or said. Freedom, something in him snarled savagely, but he meant something else. I am nothing. I am empty. You are nothing to me. Isn't this the only way out of pain? They cannot hear us as we cry out for them from the riverbank. Their eyes are chilly, empty, dull, they seem to resent the hot, alive need in our throats, resent that our hearts are burning with life, pierced in the sunlight, trying to call them back. When the thunderbolt gods came across the lands of Europe, they split this gate open wide. The mists came out, stinking to us of despair and betrayal, but fooling so many with a glimmer of impossible riches, endless riches, riches horizon to horizon, no looking back into pain, riches in youth and beauty beyond death forever. On the shore of 5,000 years, we, the lovers left behind, the lovers who stayed, women and men and children, old and young, we have had each other to hold, we have had the vessels of our mothers, the patterns they gave us that spell the moon's language, that primordial script of changes, of loss and love and being born. We have had the shrouds whose design is as old as the mountains, threaded with silver beads spelling our ancestors. We have had our wombs or our mother's wombs that bleed and bleed again, cleansing us of everything, telling us every month, you are new now. Whatever wound has left a scar, you are still renewed, even if we did not believe it, could not believe it, cannot believe that such scars will ever stop hurting. Even so, our bodies have been giving us and each other this absolution, this total forgiveness, this return, despite all trauma, enslavement, and abuse, this mystery, which is the moon's and earth's, cannot be taken from us. It cannot even be stopped. Hidden, shamed, mutilated, reviled, controlled, but stopped? Never. Not so long as the moon waxes and wanes and the springs arise from the darkness of stones. But the ones we lost? 
They were the glorious wheat, only they had forgotten the power of the seed in their very bodies. We watched them get cut down before our eyes. We saw the light leave them well before when they could not keep us from harm, when they could not weep, when they could not find the source of their fertility because it had been smashed across the hearth when raiders came from far away to take what they lived for, to take what they loved, to take what we loved, smashed across the hearth, smashed across the hearth. Pithos, Kernos, beloved, heart. That's when we first heard the world breaking, when the light went out of their eyes and ash replaced it. That's when we fell from grace. All together, we fell. You fell away from me into that gray place and are falling still through millennia. The devil has seduced the messenger. The devil has seduced the king. The king is ordering her dead. The king is running like hell from a passionate, weeping, longing little boy who is chained and abandoned in a cell inside his heart a little boy who was once humiliated for loving his dog or his horse or his sister or his mother, humiliated for crying when she died in childbirth. That little boy who was warned never to cry again, not ever again, you worthless little shit, you pussy, what are you made of? Any measure of numbness, any river of forgetting, any country of ash and distance would be better than having to descend all the way down there to see the tatters and bones in that cell, the boy whose eyes are your eyes from before the fall, from the time when a man's heart was cherished for being a tender, sobbing, yearning, piercing, gorgeous, courageous, dancing, free thing when he did not have to run into battle to prove his value, when he did not have to keep from breaking down in the face of violence to show his worth, when he knew how to be the springing green that flourished and subsided and flourished again, when he knew how to stay, to stay, to stay when it hurt, to stay and look, when he did not hide his heart to keep that final frontier from being cut asunder too, Think of all the lands conquered and pillaged because he was not allowed to sit down, weeping, to claim that one country as his true kingdom. Think of the lost kingdoms that died with the ones who carried them, that shriveled to ash in the wasteland they left for. Gray place of no feeling, of no root, where the devil writes the letters and the messenger sleeps. They drift half dead. Dying is easier, all that ash, than living. Dying is easier, the devil whispers. This body is trash, the devil whispers. Your soul is ruined. You are unworthy of the queen inside you. Take another shot of raki, a shot of heroin, a shot at your enemy until the pain is someone else's ghost, someone else's fault, someone else's problem, until you have given away what you thought you fought for, freedom. The devil is glutted on it all. His belt jingles with the keys. On our shore, 5,000 years have passed. There was a time when we thought even our vessels were lost, 
the ones from our grandmothers painted with the letters of the moon. They were shattered, and we didn't know the design. And each one of us had only one shard, or the dust from one shard still clutched in our hands. Our shrouds were lost, too. Nobody remembered how to make them, nobody except the moon and the lines on our palms and the whispering flax. Nobody knew the words or the melodies of the morning songs or the songs of birth. Nobody except our weeping. Nobody except our loving. And so we made another country with what was left on our palm lines, with the dust from the shards, with our tears, and with our blood. We planted seeds there. We grew beans and then flax. We wove the wedding veil, new. We married each other. We married ourselves. We married the devil in us. We went down to the bottom of the darkness and saw he was only a weeping child. We smelted down his keys and made a cooking pot and then a bell. We called him home for dinner. We are still waiting on the shore. We will not leave you there alone. We breathe the ash. Our eyes burn. We keep breathing. There are seeds in our hands. We fell all together, and we do not leave anyone behind. Come back home, beloved. Come back home. In the mist, in the gray, the king has been walking. He has not eaten for seven years. He has not eaten for seven generations. He has not eaten for seven eons. His mother sacrificed a deer instead of the queen and showed him that tongue. He has been looking for her ever since. But he couldn't see through the mist, through the ash, through the doubt, and still he walked. He walked and walked. He kept the sky from falling down on us with the strength of his back. His heart helped him, but kept quiet about it. He didn't know how to say it. He didn't know why it hurt in his chest. He didn't know it was broken. He just walked, and he learned to listen. And he remembered what he heard. And finally, he learned to cry. It was the tears that led him home. One day, he had cried so many he could suddenly feel himself again. He had cried so many, he was scrubbed raw as linen on the washing board. His skin felt brand new. Then he heard a little bell through the gray. He heard a child laughing. He heard a voice calling, Hi, time for dinner. Not so far away at all. He began to run. <laughs> 